Well, hey, good morning, everyone. You going to Rocky's Faith Day? Woo! Yeah. Hey, if you don't have your tickets yet, make sure to get those, okay? That's an awesome, awesome day and a, and a great time as well. Well, hey, um, didn't Ricardo do a great job on the welcome? Yeah. The video started, and there was really nowhere for you to clap for him, so I wanted you to be able to get that in. It's a lot harder than it looks. Okay. Well, hey, uh, Pastor Doug, it was on, this was his vacation week, and he's wrapping that up today. He's on a uh, nice little trip uh, with his son. They're doing something special together. And so if you've got your Bible this morning, go ahead and open up to the book of James. And uh, if you've taken a look at your notes in the newsletter, you know what we're talking about this morning, right? We are gearing up for fall. Boy, it is going to be here before you know it. Kids start school in a couple of weeks. All of that. I heard an amen on that. Kids start in school. Some of you are going, oh man, back to the grind there with homework and all of those things. But uh, yeah, that is starting here real soon and we'll be in full swing for the fall and lots of, you know, lots of different things begin happening around here at the orchard as uh, we roll into fall and a lot of exciting things as well. Well, you're, you're finding the book of James there. Uh, you know, as a pastor, there are there's some times where you wish you could push a button and help fix some things in people's lives, or you wish you could push a button and help somebody experience something. And they come to you and they say, well, you know, this or that is going on. You wish you could just push a button and magically they would, you know, be able to get through that or change that or have this certain experience. And, um, you, you, you know, oftentimes you, you wish that for someone and, and it's for different things, you know. You meet someone who just is reluctant to put their faith in Christ and you wish you could just push a button and help them see to take that step. Or maybe it's to, to be baptized or maybe it's to get in discipleship and you, you wish you could just push that button and make that happen for them. Or, you know, for somebody else, oftentimes it's, you know, a, a marriage that's going through some rocky times and maybe that happens for quite a while and you wish you could just push a button and fix all that and, and get them through that. And uh, it, it's frustrating sometimes. You know, I, I look around and I see uh, a lot of mature believers at time in church and I, I wish, you know, I could just push a button and they would all host a small group. And I, yeah, I wish sometimes that uh, I, I see people whose possessions possess them and you wish you could just push a button so that doesn't happen anymore with their life. Um, you, you know, you wish sometimes after coming back from, uh, after going on your first missions trip, you could push a button and let everyone experience that, uh, what going on a missions trip is like. And uh, the other thing that I wish that we, as a leadership team, wish for everyone at the Orchard Church is, is just this that you would experience and you would be in some sort of structured community connecting in a small group. And, uh, and that's because at the Orchard Church, we believe at the end of the day, connection happens in circles rather than rows, like we're seated in right now. Uh, let's take a look at your notes this morning as we, we look at small groups. I want to define it for you. Uh, small groups at the Orchard Church... 
Small groups are groups of 15 to 18 people. That's uh, your first fill-in this morning. And uh, they, they meet weekly in homes. That's how we do groups at the Orchard Church, you know. Some churches do that differently, and maybe you've come from a church that does that just a bit differently. But we meet weekly and in homes. And for three things. For Bible study, prayer, and connection. So there's a time for Bible study, there's a time to pray for one another, and then there's a time just to catch up on each other's lives and what's going on in each other's lives. You know, you might call that fellowship, I call it connection, just getting to know one another. And at, uh, you'll hear me say this a lot, you'll hear us say this a lot, that at the Orchard Church, you know, we're about reach, relate, and reproduce, and relate is our small group ministry. Uh, it's very important around here. And this, this year at the Orchard Church, we're getting ready to roll into our third small group semester. We had spring, summer is winding down right now, and we're going to have a new sign-up time, and we're going to roll into the fall semester for small groups. And fall is always a, a real big time. And each of those semesters, depending on the study, lasting about 13 weeks. And so uh, that's getting ready to happen. But, but we, I, we believe that face-to-face, -face, you know, meeting with some others face-to-face, -face, oftentimes is just better than you guys looking at me. <laughs> amen to that? I hear an amen over there. You know, just being able to sit down with a group and get in a circle and, and uh, have that connection and share life together, you know, where it's meaningful and you're praying with one another face-to-face -face sharing that life together. And uh, gosh, if I could push a button and just let everybody experience that in our church from you know, middle school on up, I would do that in a heartbeat. Because at the end of the day, that is where a sense of belonging is. That's where a connection happens. That's where you really begin to feel like you're a part of the church. We can't tell you how many times we have people attend here and, and then after a little while uh, eventually take that step and get into a small group and then come to us and say, man, why didn't I do this sooner? It's, it's finally now that I really feel like I've made a connection at the Orchard Church. You know, and, and that's because, I mean, look around. Look at all the people here this morning. And this is one of two services it's really difficult to know everyone and be known by everyone, isn't it? You know, it, it's, it's funny, once in a while you hear this kind of story where somebody, you know, regularly attends the 9 o'clock, somebody else regularly attends the uh, 1045, and they, they know one another, each other from work or kids' sports or something like that, and a year goes by before... One of them, for some reason, has to go to the other service, and they run into each other, and they go, I didn't know you went to the Orchard Church. You just start coming? Oh, no, man, we've been coming for a year or so. You know, that happens because of, of the two services in our size. But I wish I could just push a button and allow everybody to experience uh, small groups at the Orchard Church and just, just make that happen. Well, I want to talk to you uh, today about, about small groups, and I want to talk to you about one reason that is important why small groups are important there are 20 but I just want to give you one today and uh, just one reason and it's our point today in your notes it's our one point 
And so let's uh, just take a look at your notes there, and we'll also jump into the book of James here. Let me give you the point first, and it's simply this. We all stumble. We all stumble. And we're going to look at chapter 3 of James in verse number 2. And this is a verse that you won't find on a calendar at the Christian bookstore. This is a verse that you won't find printed on the Precious Moments people or something like that. They're not going to put this one on, uh, you know, one of those, a banner or something like that. Look at James chapter 3 with me. Verse 2, it says this. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. And we'll stop right there, but it goes on to talk about, you know, your tongue and how you speak and how, how, you, how you talk to others and being careful with that. Um, but I want to focus on the first part of that verse. For we all stumble in many, in many things. We all stumble. And when I say stumble this morning, I don't mean, you know, you'll lose your relationship with God or you lose your salvation. We don't believe that at all at the Orchard Church that that can happen. I'm just talking about stumbling where, you know, you have a crisis in your faith. Or you start relying on yourself instead of relying on the Lord. You know, you go through that time where you might call it, and some have called it backsliding. That's what I'm talking about when I say the word stumble. It says we all stumble. You know what that means to me? Eventually, we will all stumble. That's not that complicated, is it? You know what happens when you stumble yourself? You know, you fall over something you didn't see. How many of you have, you, you fall over something that is invisible? Do, do any of you do that? Or is that just me? Yeah, call that a strumble. Uh, it's, it's a new word, strumble. You know, just something invisible. You're walking along and you just kind of seem to tumble and stumble and you look back to see what it was and it was nothing at all. <laughs> I, I do that from time to time. I tell you what, my biggest stumble was uh, when, right shortly after we moved here, uh, we were in our house, and you know, when you have little kids, there's times where they're in bed early, and you've got the lights down, and you're trying to be quiet and all of that, and I, came, I was upstairs, and I came downstairs, and we've got a set of stairs, and then there's a little landing, and you make a turn, and then there's a few more stairs. Well, I came down that set of stairs to that landing, it's, it's a little bit dark, you know, and there's a few more stairs, and I did one of those things where I, I thought I was at the bottom, <laughs> but there was one more step. You ever do that? And man, I stumbled. I just kind of did one of those things like in a, uh, in a cartoon where your feet go, no, 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 And then you just kind of dance all over the place. And then you, boom, I hit the floor. And Stacy came running down, you know. She thought someone drove a truck into the house or something because the house went, it seemed like, you know. And I, I hit the floor and she helped me up. And she was like, are you all right? I'm like, ugh. Okay, and my pride was hurt worse than anything else, you know, because I just taken this fall in the middle of our downstairs. But uh, you know, that's how it is when you stumble. Oftentimes, it's something you don't see or you don't realize, or you thought, "Well, hey, I'm here now," but you're not, and you take that extra step, and you end up hitting the ground. You stumble. And James says, it's impossible for me, and it's impossible for you to live our lives. And, and not stumble. It's impossible for us to live without something being thrown in our way that uh, catches us off guard, that we don't see, 
And that causes us to trip up. It's a promise. It's going to happen. Every one of us will stumble. You know, those little things that blindside you in life. And next thing you know, you know, it's like, oh, something's happened with my faith. You know, I'm just kind of not on point with my faith. Or my closeness with the Lord isn't what it used to be. Or next thing you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm just kind of not as connected and involved in the church community as I once was. And what I'm saying this morning is not really new information to you, is it? It's not really new information, right? Especially if you grew up in church. You know, at one point you might have stumbled out, right? And maybe you've stumbled back in. And you've got your own version of this in your faith story. Maybe you, maybe you got to a point, maybe it was in high school or out of high school where you were attending church regularly and then you kind of stumbled out. Or you stumbled out in your, of your faith. You had some doubts. Started relying on yourself more than God. And listen, as mature as you are now even, despite how much the Bible that you know, as old as you might be, we will all stumble. We're human. Still have this flesh. We're all going to stumble. It's impossible to get through life without running into something that has the potential to cause you to stumble. Let me give you some common causes, and these are in your notes as well this morning, some common ones here. We could probably list these on the front and back pages of your notes, but just three common ones. And if you were to explain, well, you know, Barry, here's the thing that caused me to stumble, I think, and you were to explain what that was, three common ones often come up. The first one is people. People. Where you might say, you know what? I, I moved. You know, we moved and then I got around these different people that had different values than me. And then, you know, before I knew it, I had stumbled in my relationship with the Lord. Or you went off to college and, you know, you met a professor who told you this or that. And before you knew it, you kind of look back and go, yeah, I really stumbled when it came to my faith. Or just made some different friends from work. But it's people. Or maybe it was you fell in love. Or you were infatuated. Or you moved in together. And the next thing you know, it, something to do with other people in your life. And you, you look back on that and say, yeah, you know, it's kind of people that caused me to stumble the first time in my faith. So not only people is a common um, Something we can point to and go, yeah, it kind of made me stumble there. But not only people, but there's another one. And just jot this down, wealth. Wealth. You know, for others, it wasn't people, but it was wealth. Wealth caused you to stumble. Money. I didn't just say money, but wealth. In that can be money, your stuff, the stuff you want. <laughs> you know, the book of Matthew mentions something called the deceitfulness of riches. You know, we're to watch out for the deceitfulness of riches. You know what that means? That riches can deceive you. Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> and you know, we think in our American culture that the more money you have, the smarter you are, right? And you know that's not true. If you think that's true, you've been deceived by 
riches. <laughs> we, we've all met somebody that's the opposite, right? They have a lot of money and they're not real smart. Or we've met somebody who doesn't have a whole lot and they're very smart. You know, wealth is deceitful, isn't it? Jesus, he told his disciples at one time, he said, hey guys, you know, it's harder for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God than a poor person. And they went, what? He, a, a rich man, if he's a rich man, he's been blessed by God. That means he's blessed by God, right? And and Jesus was like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not the point. That's not the point. You see, Jesus knew, and he's explaining to his disciples, that with wealth comes opportunity. And with opportunity comes options. You know, the problem with poverty, if you've been somewhere where there's some extreme poverty, is the lack of options. That's what the problem is there. But with wealth, there can be too many options. Uh, look, just go ahead and turn over to Proverbs chapter 30. There's a, a great verse in Proverbs 30, set of verses here that, you know, we ought to underline and maybe look to these frequently because, how, uh, because of how blessed we are. And we don't want to, because of blessing, forget the Lord. And so, yeah, go ahead and find Proverbs 30. And we'll look at verses 8 and 9. And this could even be a prayer for you. It says this in Proverbs 30, 8 and 9. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me. Why? Why is he saying this? Look at verse 9. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Good verses right there. And what I take away from that is, you know, that the, the writer of Proverbs knew that wealth can be a distraction. You know, that wealth brings options. That wealth is one of those good things that has the potential to become a stumbling block. You know, where you go, the writer of Proverbs here knows that we could have the potential to go, you know what? I've, I've, I'm so self-sufficient, I don't need to rely or depend on God anymore because I just have so many options and, and so much. You know, it's amazing when you go to uh, a third world country, and again, I wish I could push that button and you know, just send you all on a missions trip at some point, you know, pray about going on a, one of our mission trips with the Orchard Church at some point. Maybe it's not now or soon, but, but, but pray about going on one eventually. And uh, you're going to hear from um, us about, in, in a couple of weeks, about a recent team trip to Haiti. And uh, just going over there and, man, seeing all of that. And it's amazing. It's about an hour and a half flight from Miami. And I was just really hit by the, you've got, you know, the wealth and the, life of Miami and then an hour and a half flight you've got one of the worst countries in the world when it comes to corruption in the government and what's going on there and, and just to put feet on the ground there and to walk around with our team and to be involved in the feeding centers and to go to the deaf and blind camp and to and to be a part of all of that and then to work with all these children in a vacation bible school that week where we stayed and uh, you know you realize that those children all of their possessions could fit in a walmart sack 
you know? And here's the thing that you realize by the end of the week. All their stuff, and many of the adults too, all their stuff can just fit in a bag. And they're just happy as larks. Because it's not about stuff. They're just the smilingest people. And uh, they know it's not about the things. That's just amazing to see that. You re- that really hits you in the face while you're there in, in a country like that. That, oh, I've got few things, but I am so full of joy. And I know the Lord. And us Americans are over there going, oh, it's hot. <laughs> you, you, you know, you know? I'll get my AC unit. And, you know, we're just feel like we're suffering. <laughs> and we're not. But you really see that. You really see that when you're over there. And uh, then you come back here and you realize, man, I'm so blessed and I have so much. You, you, it's almost like you feel bad. I have so much. So many options. You know, will I go to Target or King Supers? Or Walmart? You know? And over there, those people we were with, very few options. They'd never say something like that. Where will I go shopping? They just like to go shopping. And so, uh, you know, wealth can be that stumbling block where you're, you're not depending on the Lord anymore. So people, wealth, and then a third one in your notes is uh, kind of the opposite, can be viewed as the opposite of wealth, and that's hard times. Hard times. Kind of the flip side of that. Difficult times where uh, you go through something tough, like our economy right now is not great, Right? There's people I know in, that will be in both services that are looking for jobs and having a tough time finding a job. Other things like tragedy and disaster and things with our kids and our family that is a tough time, they can ding our faith. You know, we wonder, is God there during that? You often cry out and say, you know, God, I've prayed hard. I've tried to do this and I've tried to do that. I've gone to church consistently. I've read my Bible during this hard time more than I ever have before. And it's getting worse rather than better. And you start thinking, is God listening to my prayers? Things are not getting better in this. And that can cause you to stumble. Has that ever happened to anybody in here? Okay, Yeah, that's me. It is impossible for us to get through life without things being thrown in our way that have the potential to cause us to stumble. You know, we've all lived long enough, I think, to realize that. There are things out there that I have not experienced yet that may come into my life later and cause me to stumble. There are things out there that that your kids have not experienced yet that may come into their life at some point that could cause them to stumble to compromise their values, to stumble away from your faith. You know, if you have kids, you know, you, you talk to them, you have those talks, right? Whatever you call those talks in your family, and uh, you warn them about certain things. You know, we've got a middle school daughter, and we're, you know, we t- talk to her about certain things and have those conversations, and, and sometimes you get this, oh, that's not going to happen to me. You know? And you did that when you were a kid, right? <laughs> well, that's nice you're telling me about that, but that's not going to happen to me. 
right? And I think sometimes our Heavenly Father looks down on us like that sometime. You know, we hear His Word in church, we're challenged uh, during a message in church, and sometimes we act and think, that's great and all, but that's not going to happen to me. Every single one of us has something out there that if thrown in our path has the potential to take us out, to cause us to stumble when it comes to our faith, when it comes to our personal relationship with God, you know, it could lessen your faith and confidence in God. We all stumble. Now, here is why that's so important and how that relates for my desire for all of us to be connected in a small group. It's easy to stumble out of church, you know, on Sunday. It's an attendance thing. We're in two services. There's lots of people. It can be a habit thing in your life. Many of you could tell that story of when you stumbled out of church at some period in your life. It's easy to stumble out of faith. And I don't mean losing your salvation or any of that. I'm just talking about your confidence in God, relying on yourself more. You know, maybe hear something, you've read a book, and you kind of have having some doubts. Uh, people do that. It's easy to stumble out of your close walk with the Lord when you're talking to Him in prayer, when you're in His Word daily. But I'll tell you what, and, and just jot this down, it's almost impossible to stumble out of connection. When you are connected with others in a small group, it can happen, but it is almost impossible to stumble out of connection. You guys are praying together. You're opening God's word together. You're fellowshipping or connecting. It's relational. It's tangible. It's kind of like family in some ways. It's very difficult to stumble out of connection because you've got others that are with you, holding you accountable, doing life together. They know where you're at in life. Very difficult to stumble out of that. Solomon, um, go ahead and, and, and turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, we'll have it up here on the screen in, um, in a moment. But uh, if you want to turn to Ecclesiastes, great passage of Scripture, chapter 4. Solomon, extremely wise. And uh, he wrote some super wise things, very practical things, extremely important things that we need to know. And then his life kind of became a case study for all of those things. And uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, let's look at verse 9 and 10. It says this, Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him or pity on him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. We'll stop right there. So, you know, this is Solomon writing here. Uh, thousands of years ago, they even realized and recognized this. <laughs> that... That it's better with two. It's better, it's better not to be alone. They realized, and, and you guys have probably heard, you know, one person can do the work of one. Two people can do the work of three. Yeah, that synergy. They understood that even, even in the Bible times here. That, that synergy happens and takes place when, when you get people together. And, and in contrast, the last part of uh, these verses here is is our world oftentimes, is 
our middle schoolers' world, is our high schoolers' world, is the single person's world, where it says that if, uh, if one falls, one's got to lift him up, but woe to him, or pity on him when they're alone and they fall, and nobody, he's got no one to help him back up. You see, Solomon understood this because he had great wealth and he got to the point in his life where he was self-sufficient and he didn't need anybody else and he, he was not available relationally and no one could speak into his life. And he learned the hard way. When you fall, it's better to have a companion. It's better to have someone, some people around you to help you back up. You know, when you need help, we need help from time to time, don't we? From people, from friends around us, from other believers. You need help. I mean, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great, um, women, wouldn't it be great if there were some other ladies that you were connected with in a small group who you could go to in confidence and say, you know, I, I need some help. My, my husband's running around. You know, I, I need some help. And they're there for you to help and to get involved as a small group. Or, or guys, be great if there's some other guys that you could go to and go, I, I need some help. I don't, I don't know what to do. My wife's taking too much prescription medication. I know it. She doesn't need it. I, I, I don't know what to do. You know, those are the, I'm just kind of giving you examples that I'm not making up off the top of my head. They're, they're just real life things that, that happen in people's lives. You could go to somebody and say, somebody I love has stumbled. Can you help us out here? You know, somebody I love has stumbled into a habit. And, and in that, Stumbling into that habit, they've picked up their addiction tools instead of their Christian tools. And I need some help. Somebody I love is obviously walking down the wrong path. And to have that around you. So Solomon, the wisest person in the world who stumbled himself... And nobody was there to help him get back up because he had kind of become that person to his own. No one had access to him. He says, woe or pity to the person who stumbles and falls and doesn't have access, doesn't have others in his life, doesn't have a companion there to help stand them back up. Pity that person. And it's a tragedy in church world when men and women think, I don't need that. You know, I don't have time for that. I have a busy schedule. We have sports things to do. I'm in school. I'm really busy. I have friends. I don't need any new friends. And then they stumble and fall. It's a tragedy. And then no one has access. No one has relationship with them. No one that is there who can come alongside them and help them up. It's sad. Well, we talk about this a lot. A lot of times when, have you ever seen this? Somebody stumbles and falls and they just want to stay down. 
You know, oftentimes they just want to stay down. Hey, I'm down here. I don't want any help getting up. I just want to be down here on the ground. There's no desire, no motivation to get back up. That's when it, it is so key and so important to have others in your life who can say, shut up, I'm helping you up. You know, I just said it. And we'll help them up. Because oftentimes they're down and they're just comfortable down there. I'm down here, just leave me alone. And we'll, we'll help them back up. When you stumbled out of your closeness to God because of a person or because of possessions or, you know, hard times, other reasons, that book you read, that thing that person told you, you, you didn't listen to your parents or whatever it is, you need somebody there because pity the person when they stumble, they're not connected to anybody. And I'll tell you what, when you stumble and when you fall in your walk with the Lord, what you need most is what you desire the least, isn't it? What you need the most is what you don't want to hear from your spouse. It's what you don't want to hear from your family. That's why you want to stay down. You're not going to want it. You're not going to seek help. You're not going to initiate it. So lay that groundwork now. And get in a community of people where you are connected and you know them and they know you. And I tell you what, at the Orchard Church, this isn't a side peripheral thing. It's relate in our reach relate process. All equally important. It's, it's so important. It's, and it's why we say connection happens in circles at small group rather than rows. It's a place to be known and know others. Let me ask you this real quick. What, how would your life be different if when you were growing up, your dad had a group of men who he was connected with through the church in a structured way, and they did life together, and they could speak into each other's lives? How would your life be different now if when you grew up, your mom had been connected in a small group like we're talking about with some other ladies who could be a sounding board and they could speak into each other's lives. How would your life be different? You know, for some of you going, that eh, wouldn't be any different at all. But for a lot of us, we're going, oh man, it totally would have been different if that would have happened. Maybe I wouldn't have stumbled out at some point. Maybe they wouldn't have done this or that. Solomon says, pity the person who falls and there's no one to help them up. The relationships you build when you connect in a structured small group at the Orchard Church are priceless. We will stumble. James says it. We're going to stumble, every one of us, eventually, in many ways. And just pity the person who, when they do, they only sit in rows on Sunday. And they won't get into a circle of people in a small group. We'll stumble. It's impossible not to. It's impossible that we'll make it through life unscathed without hitting a stumbling block. Connection happens in circles rather than rows. Um, the, and though our pastor is gone, this is such a big deal in our leadership team's life. Uh, we want to hear from him this morning.
Good morning, Orchard Church. Good to see everyone this morning. We really want to encourage you to consider being a part of our fall 2012 small group semester. We believe this is going to be one of our biggest fall small group semesters we've ever had here at the Orchard Church. If you've ever been a part of a small group in the past, we know you're going to want to sign up again. If you haven't been a part of one of our small groups, we really want to encourage you to sign up. It's the absolute best way to get connected in relationships here at the Orchard Church. Um, it's hard to build relationships just by coming on Sunday morning, so I know we have a lot of new people in our church, and you want to get in a small group where you can get to know other people in your community. If you've hosted a group in the past, we hope you'll host again. We need many hosts because of all the new families and individuals at our church that we expect will be signing up, so help us out in that way. And just remember, connection happens in circles rather than in rows, so get involved and be a part of the Fall 2012 Small Group Semester. Okay, so take a look at your, your notes, your handout this morning, if you would. We're going to take a look at a couple of things. I want to give you kind of a snapshot of our fall semester because, you know, there's always questions about this. So uh, make sure you go home and pencil this in on your calendar or put it in your iPad or your Droid or whatever you're using. All right. Uh, so you've got those dates. Small group signups begin Sunday, September 2nd kind of a soft launch that we usually do around here. It's uh, Labor Day weekend, so uh, that's when signups will begin, and that happens with a catalog that we put out. You'll hear a lot more about that as we approach that time. Small groups begin once signups finish, and they begin the week of September 23rd. So whenever you are, your host is meeting during that week, is you know, when you, if you signed up for Tuesday group, you'll meet that week on Tuesday, etc. Small groups meet weekly, and uh, small groups end, that semester ends by December 15th. Okay, we do them in semesters. There is a beginning point, and there is an ending point. You know you're not signing your life away. You know that if you are in a group for a semester, and at the end of that time, you say, these people I have met with are not my people. You have the opportunity to get into another group, you have an opportunity to check out another study. You have, another, you have an opportunity to move around. You have an opportunity as one opens up near your house to go to that one a little bit closer. And uh, that is a, a very good thing that we have found in our small group system. Uh, I said they meet weekly already. We want you in a small group. So listen, if you were in a group and you took the summer off like uh, we do, make sure that you are back in a group for the fall uh, before life gets going and gets away from you. Uh, if you've been in a group in the past and you had a bad experience, uh, so what? You've had a bad haircut, but you didn't stop getting haircuts, right? Uh, bad things happen. Small groups are people-oriented. We're human. Get back in a group, okay? Don't give up on this because you had one bad experience. Maybe you've hosted in the past and you didn't have a great experience. And, uh, and that's your story. So you go around telling everybody, well, in, in 2009, uh, you know, such and such happened. So what? Grow up. Uh, that's how important this is. All right? Uh, maybe you hosted a small group last spring or fall semester, and you've taken the summer or a year or two years off. And you've got sports one night, a meeting another night. Your kids got classes another night. Okay, put your big boy pants back on and host a group this fall. All right? Uh, we need you like never before. We've grown. Uh, the, the need is greater now. 
And so I want to invite you all to please take out your insert right here in your newsletter. It's the one that says small group news at the very top. And uh, this is, again, just got some of our pertinent dates on it and talks about hosting a small group. And I want to invite you now to uh, fill that out and drop that in the offering bucket in a few moments to sign up to host a small group. Or uh, you might go, you know, I'd, I'd like some more information on hosting a small group. You fill that out, you'll get more information on hosting a small group. And to go ahead and do that right now uh, in this part of the service before our offering, which is imminent. Uh, gets passed, all right? So uh, we want you in a small group because at the end of the day, uh, when those stumbling blocks come, and they will, when you're down, we want someone to be there to help you stand because ultimately, connection happens in circles rather than rows. Would you pray with me?